Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. About this time of year, parents start considering whether their children are ready for school. Thanks to different rules in the states and territories, some of us can keep our children back another year. And there are many things that indicate whether a child is ready for school. Experts say it's mostly about social indicators. Can your child sit and listen, make friends, that kind of thing. But what about reading? Is there a way to tell if your child is ready to start learning to read? Sonia Bestelich is the founding director of Talking Heads Speech Pathology. She also hosts a podcast called Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Sonia, what do you mean when you talk about a child being reading ready? Well, basically, it means a child who is excited, firstly, about wanting to read. That's always very helpful to have that motivation. But then there's also other factors around their development and those developmental milestones. And it's very much around their language development. So a huge link for reading readiness is a child having very solid oral language skills. And and that that has a direct correlation to them being able to be ready to read. So as you know, a lot of work that speech pathologists do is around language um, and that ability for children to understand and process language and also use language at that oral level or, or that spoken level. So language skills play a massive part and having a strong vocabulary plays a massive part in children being ready to read. And then if I delve deeper into, say, a preschooler in that year before starting school, some really healthy signs of reading readiness would be a child's ability to be able to play with sounds of language. So they might be noticing things about language uh, like, um, oh, those words rhyme or they sound the same at the end or uh, mum's got the letter M makes it mm sound like my name, Max. So they'll start to notice more about language. And we see that in that preschool year. And that's a really healthy sign of what we call pre-literacy skills, that readiness to be able to read. What about children who they might have a big vocabulary, but they're still not pronouncing words properly? So they know what the word means, but instead of saying hospital, they say hopstable or something like that. Like, Does that play a part in whether you'd say they're ready for school or not? I would say in terms of the speech clarity um, and how clearly a child should be speaking, typically by the time a child gets to, say, five years of age or about to start kindy, often their speech should really be understood 100% of the time by a third person. So it's not the person that's with them the most. It might be a relative that sees them every now and then, that kind of thing, um, that's able to understand them 100% of the time. And with their speech sounds, really, when they're about five years old, the main ones that they might not quite have right is the R sound. So instead of saying rabbit, they might still say wabbit. Um, Instead of like with a TH sound, instead of saying thumb, they might use an F and say thumb. They're really the two main sounds that kids might still have difficulty with. What you mentioned there, where they mix up um, those syllables or in multisyllabic words, those longer words, often kids might find them a challenge in those toddler years, but typically they're able to, to pronounce those multisyllabic words with clarity by the time they get to 
to school and any that are really tricky because there might be ones that they don't use often, um, but often it's easy to teach it to them. So they're very quick to pick it up um, if you were to break it up or just kind of go hoss P tool, like break it up into its little syllables, they pick it up quite quickly. Um, so that's usually a pretty healthy sign. And when you were going back to what you were saying about having a strong vocabulary is a really great sign for reading readiness. If your child is, you know, we're towards the end of the year now, and if your child doesn't have a big vocabulary now, is that something you can improve upon in the lead up to the school year? Or would you be suggesting that parents take a step back and and then maybe look at more signs about whether the child's ready to start school? Oh, look, I think I think having a strong vocabulary and nurturing that, obviously it it's, can start from birth, but if you're looking at from now to the lead up of school starting, there's definitely ways that you can very easily do that in the daily routine and, and start enriching or language enriching the child's environment. Um, I can go into those whenever you're ready, but there's, there's definitely great ways that you can build a child's vocabulary. Um, you know, within, if you're looking at now, within months before school starts. Yeah, no, I'd love to know because, I mean, people might be hearing this thinking that um, building up vocabularies is about reading them more books or um, talking to them with more adjectives. I'm not sure. So I'm, <laughs> I'm curious to know what the best way to do it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's partly that. Um, I'm, I might share my top five if I can, Siobhan. Of course. How does that sound to yeah, you? Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so um, I'll start with tip number five, use real life experiences to build language and vocabulary. Now this, you kind of mentioned already, use more adjectives. Yes, just talk more about what you're doing at the time you're doing it. Talk about what your child is doing. Uh, talk about what you see around you. So just, just use whatever's happening at the time and add language to it. Also in terms of um, routine, when we're in the car, when we're doing those things that can be fairly mundane or routine, really use those to inject some vocabulary building and some rich language activities. So what I mean by that is look at things like audiobooks, which are fantastic. You, you can The convenience of audiobooks is amazing and in terms of their benefits, really far-reaching. So putting that into a daily routine, I find personally has been fantastic um, with my kids, but also at work. Clinically, the speech pathologists do often, if you like, prescribe audiobook listening as a daily part of the routine. And why that is, A, because it's very easy, but B, it means that kids are exposed to lots of different stories, i.e. lots of different language, vocabulary, um, and then they're immersed in that rich language that they're hearing, they're able to learn more words, use more words, and parents can also enhance that by talking about the story they've just heard and asking questions about it and making comments about it. So it's a really easy, lovely way that language can really be broadened and broadened and expanded for children. I mean, also considering audiobooks as um, a, a bit of an, a healthy alternative to if you're looking at balancing out, you know, screen time or the visual stimulus kids get, it's nice to be able to just pop an audiobook on while doing something else um, around the house. So audiobooks are a massive one for enriching language. And then third tip would be 
and, and this is again, it's a bit of an extra one if you like. It doesn't fit into the daily routine per se, but you can still do it in the car. And that's things like playing listening games. So it could be making up silly rhymes, playing I spy with you know the first sound of something. So I spy with my little eye something that starts with a k sound. So it's it's kind of introducing them to the concepts of sounds, not just letters, and playing around with as we talked about earlier with those long words, just having a play with words and, oh, your name's Siobhan, oh, and you clap to it, Siobhan. Those kinds of skills uh, and activities are a lot of fun and they don't take a lot of time, but they can be incorporated. And my last two tips would be making books a physical part of the environment and the routine. So here it's very much about some simple things. If you haven't already got a bookshelf, in the house, it doesn't have to be major, but even a little one that kids can access and see books and experience books in that space, if you like. That's a great way to have books available, as well as just having them available in other locations for them to access. And also things like popping into the library uh, when they've got their story times or just for your child to browse at books, for you to browse at books and make books a more normal part of the routine, if you like. Um, and also bookstore drop-ins. So, you know, once we get to, if you're going to, I guess, steer away from any online shopping and actually physically go into um, a larger shopping centre, part of the routine could be that you do drop into a bookstore. And it's just really to to get into that, I guess, making books more normal um, and having kids explore their own interests and you to actually observe that and see what their interests are because we want to have that positive association with books. Um, And then my final tip, as you mentioned before, Siobhan, is, yeah, book sharing definitely is a big one. Um, And how would you superpower a book? So you've got two ways to to share books. One is a more passive way where you're reading the book to a child and that might be for the purposes of winding down or relaxing them to get ready for bed. Um, And the other way is to interactively book share. And here, again, it's quite an enriching experience because what's happening is as you're reading the book, you're asking questions and making comments uh, and you're predicting what's coming next. So, you know, it might be, oh, Spot's playing in the park. I can see he's on the slide. What do you like doing at the at the park when we're there? And you're getting their personal experiences linked in. Um, and what else could he be playing with at the park? So looking at well, what might come next in the book. So when we do that questioning and making comments, and I've got to say it's really important that comments come in because sometimes when we train parents to do this in the clinic, you, you know, they sometimes can get into a, a bit of an interrogation <laughs> format where it's like question, 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 question. I'm like, you know what? If you make a comment and just say, look, he's playing on the slide, and then you pause, just give your child that space. Chances are really high that they'll probably say something and use language. So interactive book sharing is really about providing that opportunity for your child to hear lots of different words and how those words are used in, in sentences. And then to also use those words when they're answering questions or they've got to use language to express themselves in lots of different ways. And what do you think about um, praising, you know, if your child uses a word in the right context and it's it's not the usual language they might use, um, is it good to praise them? Like saying, oh, it's really good use of the word, whatever it might be. Um, do you know what? I... I 
what I've found, and, and we as parents, we all know that kids will pick up words, the ones we don't like mm-hmm. and the ones we do like. Um, so being mindful of our language is really important. In terms of explicitly praising them for a specific word, personally, the way that I've done it is more to accept that as a normal part of their vocabulary. So I might internally go, oh, wow, like mm. he used the word disappointed and he's only, you know, two. So internally, I might think that, but then I don't necessarily make a big hoo-ha about it. Yeah. I just kind of go, yep, that's, we want that to be part of your vocabulary and, and for it to be normal. Yeah. Um, so I, I just keep going and just acknowledge what's been said and move on. If parents are listening to this and thinking, oh, this is all very good advice, what, what we, when would you say it's appropriate for a child to go and see a speech pathologist? Well, um, it depends, I guess, what the concerns are. Um, Just because we see kids from birth, because speech pathologists do work on feeding difficulties as well. So if we're not, we're obviously not talking about that, but just wanted to put that in there because a lot of people think don't realise that's part of what we do. But I guess when you're looking at the younger years, say the one-year-old who's not yet using words to express themselves or seems to have trouble understanding directions, that's when the first port of call would be to firstly make sure the hearing is all okay and the ears are checked. So in terms of first words use, we don't wait any longer than 18 months. So certainly at that point, I'd suggest seeing a speech pathologist. Um, If you're looking at a little bit of the the older years, if you like, um, with speech sounds, there's oh, there's so many speech sounds, as you know, and it just depends on the age of the child as to what clarity we expect. But very broadly speaking, we would expect that um, a two-year-old would be understood by a third person about 25 to 50% of the time and a three-year-old be understood 75 to 100% of the time by a third person. So they're kind of some broad ranges in terms of any worries about the clarity of, of your child's speech. And then with language, you really should expect that by three years of age, you're really able to have a very easy conversation with your child. They're able to answer lots of who, what, when, where questions, um, and they're able to explain themselves and what's happened in the day and sequence their thoughts and ideas. Um, And that keeps, I guess, increasing more and more as they get to ages four and five. And there certainly are checklists and like free information like that that parents can access, um, that they can have a, a quick look at and understand, you know, how their child is tracking. Well, Sonia, it's all very interesting. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Sonia Bestelich, speech pathologist and host of the Chat About Children podcast. You'll find links to more info on Sonia in the notes of this episode. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.